friends, you're listening to the Hope and Hard Pills podcast, where we are talking about practical insight for racial justice and social change. I'm your host, Andre Henry, and joining us from North Carolina is Alicia T. Crosby. How you doing, Alicia? Hey, y'all. I am doing well, and y'all know I'm excited about everyone, but I'm very, very, very excited about this You're excited, obviously. (laughs) Always, always. I get very hyped to do this podcast. Who Um, are we excited about talking about, talking with today? Well, today we're excited for a couple of reasons. One, because this is actually the first interview that Andre and I have done together. Hey! Um, Yep. (laughs) But also because we are interviewing essayist, theologian, and creative, brilliant person, Candice Benbow, who is a, I mean, she's just everything. I mean, you'll understand the everything when you hear this interview, but she's mm-hmm. a super dope person, someone who I've come to personally appreciate and then also like profession- professionally like appreciate as a colleague. So let's get into it, shall we? No, it doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be this way. Doesn't have to be. No, it doesn't have to be this way. Hey, Candice. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome, welcome. Candice, we are so excited to have you on the show. And we know that you are working on a media group. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, so Zion Hill Media Group um, is first is named after uh, my childhood church. Um, But Mm -hmm. it is uh, my um, project to uh, create um, space for progressive faith leaders within our communities to create content around progressive faith thought. Um, I think that where we are right now is that so many of us um, are frustrated by one, the lack of conversations that are happening around uh, faith and, and public life. Um, and faith in everyday life and faith in politics. And so many of us, you know, have prepared ourselves to uh, speak into these moments, both um, from a creative perspective, from a theological perspective, and from, you know, equipped with voices of authority. But the mm-hmm. truth of the matter is, is that these spaces that are doing this kind of work are either evangelical in a way um, that excludes voices of color um, mm. or they are conservative in a way that include voices of color, but do not want progressive ones. Mm. And mm. so, um, because I am neither evangelical or conservative, um, <laughs> I, I, um, decided and felt really called to, to start, um, Zion Hill Media Group to create mm-hmm. spaces for those of us who want to have and continue these conversations on various creative levels to do that. So I'm really excited because one of the things that is true, and I know that y'all know this, is that like you can have an idea and Mm -hmm. then like when you voice it, folks are like, oh, that's cute. You know, bless your heart. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're like, that was the idea that only you were supposed to have. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Uh Uh-huh. But, like, what has been extremely beautiful is that, like, as soon as I launched it, folks have been supporting. And as soon as I was like, this is something that I want to do, I had folks that were like, hey, like, however we can help on the production side, however we can help on sponsorship side, let us know. Um, and so, like, I'm really excited because part of um, one of the, the first projects is a divine dialogue, which would be a web series that kind of follows mm-hmm. me having conversations with uh, pastors and theologians and faith leaders and thought leaders in our community. And we have, you know, crowdsourced to the point where we can really begin to finish pre-production of that mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. really move into like a uh, spring, summer uh, recording and production. And so I'm really, really excited about it. And I think that, you know, I think it's, a, I think that it's necessary. I think it's a game changer. You know, I think mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. um, we're just moving into a place where so many of us are refusing to ask for 
space anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm yes, saying? Like, you did that. Yes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there, there's the truth of, like, asking for space and pushing folks to see us was that we were really being graceful and giving them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we just know they're going to be who they are. <laughs> and uh-huh. so it's just like, I'm not, I'm not going to keep stressing myself because you are who you are. So mm-hmm. let me let me do what God has called me to do and gone about my business. And so mm. um that's just really where I am. And like I'm really, really excited. Um I'm really excited about it. Mm-hmm. And in this moment and in moments like where where having a platform and getting engagement is so important, you mm-hmm. will forget who the community really is that you're trying to attract. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very clear that and I'm I'm really grateful because I had I mean, um, I had a really rough like patch of time. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom passed in, in um twenty fifteen and that like this like I really probably for like the last three and a half, four years, it was like a really, really rough time. But it mm-hmm. came at the time at the moment where I was really beginning to drink the Kool-Aid, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, I remember when I created created the Lemonade Syllabus, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Lemonade Syllabus, for me, really was a grieving project. Like, it was uh-huh. me leaning into wow. that I had had this massive loss, mm-hmm. and Lemonade, for me, represented, like, my relationship with God. When, when mm-hmm. like, Ooh. you know, B was talking about her and Jay, like I was watching it and I was thinking about me and God, right? And like, and I leaned into that and the project went crazy and it opened so many doors. And the truth is, is that afterwards when I tried to catch that wave again, Mm -hmm. everything fell flat, Mm -hmm. right? Like everything that I tried to do to kind of like recreate that moment, because again, when you're in these spaces, they tell you that the more that you can be visible, the more you can go viral, the more all of these things are like check marks, right? Mm-hmm. And when I, when nothing was working, <laughs> it was this moment where I was like, well, dang, like I'm doing everything that I did when I did Lemonade Syllabus. Why is it not connecting? Mm-hmm. And the truth was, is that I had to be really honest and say, I wasn't doing it for community. Mm. Community had become mm. right. It became the place where I could couch it, yeah. but it was for yeah. me to be seen by other folks. Oh, you're yeah. you're you're so so right on levels, and I <laughs> I want to co-sign everything you said, and I also want to like bring our listeners back to the Lemonade syllabus because it's interesting as someone like who followed. <laughs> followed and like legit respected your like your work for a really long time to like understand that this was a project war out of your grief because I think about yeah. the ways in which it's helped so many people around the world like find their freedom and like what does it mean for like Man, our yeah. mm-hmm. I'm just going back to that moment and that time like I, I remembered you know um, watching it and was like God broke my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and that, like, um, my mom, you know, my mom passed away unexpectedly and she passed away alone at home. Mm-hmm. And I was mad, you know, and like Lemonade Syllabus came out like a few months after my mom passed and I was still like sucked into like the fog of grief. Mm-hmm. And um, I remembered watching like this beautiful story mm-hmm. of anger, confusion, heartbreak, and ultimately like re- restoration and reconciliation. And there was a little like I I, rem- I remember saying to myself, I was like, I got a little bit of love in my life still, like. <laughs> Let me try to lean into it mm-hmm. and create, you know, something that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was if for me, it was like this seed of of I really saw Lemonade Syllabus as like this this seed uh, or a down payment into like a life of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I didn't believe that that was possible. Like, I, I mean, I really didn't believe that, like, living without my mom, I'm an only child, and my mom was a single mother. Like, that was my immediate family all in one person, right? Yeah. And so, like, mm. I just didn't believe that, like, any form of life was possible or could make sense after she passed. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know, but, like, watching Lemonade really made me believe, like, okay, like, God and I can get past this. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. that, like, God and I can get back on speaking terms. And this is, this is a way for me to lean into it. And then when it like literally reverberated Mm -hmm. (laughs) around the world, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, wow. I was like, so that taught me several things. It taught me that like one, there is beauty and power in um black women's stories mm-hmm. and that um if given the opportunity for black women to tell and share their stories power is limitless right mm-hmm. like that's just because it was nothing but a collection of black women's works right mm-hmm. that like if and 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 it, uh, so it taught me that this beauty and like sacredness and just giving black women um room to be amplified it also gave me kind of the confirmation that like spirit hears mm-hmm. <laughs> and that when you lean into when you are honest about pain when you are honest about grief and trauma mm-hmm. and you are also honest about the steps that you're willing to take to be whole and to be free. Mm-hmm. I really believe that God and the universe and spirit and ancestors all conspire to say, like, we see you and we hear you. Mm-hmm. Right. That like when Lemonade had its moment and still, I mean, like there were there are actual classes mm-hmm. that have been like created. <laughs> like, but like I mean, there's actually a course at a university in the UK called the Lemonade Syllabus. And like when I talked to the to the um professor, I just was amazed. like I I I told her I was like, I'm not even trying to be funny, but like I really just need to keep I'm keep picking my jaw up, you know, off the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's just amazing to me. But it was really like on a very spiritual level and on a very personal level. It was God saying to me, like, I got you, mm-hmm. right? Like, I like I got you. Like, I completely understand why you ain't really rocking with me like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but I got you, and, and we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the blessing for me, to, to bring it full circle to what I was saying earlier, the blessing for me was that it happened to me in the creative space mm-hmm. because it also taught me that when I lean fully into projects that um, most resonate with me and I and are authentic to who I desire to be, then I flourish, mm-hmm. right? But when you when you are chasing something, mm-hmm. like when you're chasing status, when you're chasing the check, and and when you're chasing like the platform. Mm-hmm. What happens is you may actually be successful. You may get the numbers, you may get the engagement, but at what cost, mm-hmm. right? Um, because you you were actually in the pursuit of that, you know, death dealing to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't want to do that, you know. And and through lemonade, like through the syllabus, you know. I was shown that I didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lesson that I really work um, to keep at the fore. Can I just say that y'all are blessing me this morning? <laughs> like, I just, I know like, I I just had to interject and be like, why am I so touched this morning by this conversation? You saying y'all, this Thank is all Candace you. right now. Like she's just up here ministering and saying all the things. It's, we sitting in the cut. <laughs> no, it's you too. It is you too. I love this, y'all. No, it's oh my god! Like I can run, I could run around a neighborhood right now. I actually might. 
Drake, you're not finna, you're not finna if run. if I just disappear for like 20 you're minutes. You're not going nowhere, bro. If I disappear for like 10 minutes, y'all know where uh-huh. I am. <laughs> that is scary. But I mean, what's, what's funny, I mean, like, you know what? Candace said it, like, it is all of us. Because this is, these are the conversations that happen in community. And that's the thing I keep coming back to. As you're talking, mm-hmm. as I'm listening and receiving, just definitely, like, you know, the power like of your words and then also the power of the spirit behind your words. Yeah. I can't shake community. Cause you know, in your grief, when you yeah, did this yeah. project, it was community, not that only rallied around you, but community that you saw it. The, 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 the dynamic, beautiful thing, or one of the dynamic, beautiful things about this lemonade syllabus, that's you know, built off of the themes in Beyonce's lemonade album is that you invited over 70 contributors in. And we're looking yeah. at them talking about and sharing resources related to like fiction and literature, black feminist thought, English and mm-hmm. critical theory, things related to right. youth engagement, poetry, music, like all these different like creative intellectual like arts and and, and fields. But they all came yeah. together with their gifts. And everybody got yeah. to eat. Everybody got to partake. And yeah, like I mean, yeah. Go ahead. And and I'm I'm even like what you're saying in terms of like God and the universe and the ancestors conspiring. Conspiring's meaning we got to work together here. Like you you don't conspire by yourself. You need a (laughs) co-conspirator. Like somebody's got to be with you in that work. Yeah. Um. I would have never. I would not have made it without community. Um. I'm very clear about that. Like community um, has saved my life. It's it's funny because I mean, as an only child, you like I mean, growing up, I had cousins. But uh, the truth of the matter is that you know, if you are always the cousin that kind of like excelled or achieved, mm-hmm. um, you ain't really realize how much they didn't rock with you till you got older uh-huh. and realize they didn't rock with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, like, uh, and I think all of us have like these very interesting family dynamics that we've had to like come to terms with even as adults. Mm-hmm. But like, I felt really alone and isolated after my mom passed because she was really like my world, right? And then like, the beauty of who God is for us is that like, you know, I was able to see like, now, like you have a whole community of people that are intimately connected to you that literally walked through the valley of the shadow of death with you. Right. Um, And then you have this broader community you know, that's the thing I love about social media is that I, I tell people I feel I see it in like two tiers, right? There are like some folks that I met on through social media who legit have become family, right? Mm-hmm. Who um who through the blessing of these kinds of mediums, we were able to find each other and then create real substantial loving relationships. And then there's this larger context where we all are looking for community and find it together, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, we do not exist in this world alone. Creation is an interdependent project, right? And so, like, this this interdependence that, you know, God manifested within seven days um, is literally lived out um, in our daily interactions with each other. And I think that marginalized people who have always had to turn to each other for like a technology for living mm-hmm. um, know that more than anybody else, right? That like we know that in order for um, for us to literally get through the next day, the next not even the next day, minute by minute. Like we need other people. Yeah. You can't shake community. And then it's also it's also in the it's also in community where like, you know, 
folks have had to tell me, like, get your stuff together, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's not all praises song. It's like, it is many times a conversation of, like, you out here looking raggedy and, like, we need you to get it together. And, <laughs> um, and it's out of that love that you're like, yeah, they telling the truth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, like, I think that, like, part of the problem is that people think, and it's it's one of those like frustrations that I have. This might be a total aside, but it's one of those frustrations I have with the church mm-hmm. in that like, you know, a lot of us uh, millennials and Gen Z um, have, have like created distance from the church. Mm-hmm. Older generations explain it away as that like, we don't come to church because we don't want accountability. And we don't want folks telling us what to do. And it's like, no, that's not true. The truth is that you don't have a right to speak into my life, right? That like, you have not done the work to be able to say anything to me. (laughs) And like, um, and you don't, you don't have, you don't have that permission, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are some people that can love me and can support me. And I, I value their love and their support. And at the same time, they don't have space and permission to speak to me uh, in ways that like are authoritative, right? They don't have that kind of space that only comes with a certain level of community. Mm-hmm. That's a part of community, right? That like the same folks that get that you celebrate with, the same folks that walk through the hard times with you are the same folks that get to tell you, okay, like, I need you to have several seats because you're doing the most with the least right now, <laughs> you know? And that that is a full life, right? That is what makes us the fullness of who we are. Um, but yeah, like, if we didn't, I mean, I, and I, 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 I'm with you, Alicia, in that, like, we can't stress community enough. Um, and oftentimes when we stress it, people, like, minimize what it really means and like Mm -hmm. and that and that it's become this like it's almost become like cliche right community and self-care and doing the work like all of these words are become Mm -hmm. like so trite because they're overused Mm -hmm. but like when you really yeah they i mean they're salacious and they're sexy and they're like all of these things that take away from like what what they really mean and then you get folks like us that are like nah like community will save your life if you let it like if if you if you take it out of its like cute packaging that that everybody wants to give us now Mm -hmm. and i really like these are the folks that you know, like I said, I feel like I feel like community can be tiered in certain ways, but like these are the folks that I rock with. These are the folks that I speak for. Um, these are the folks who can speak to me, and it is within this space that my identity, my validation, my affirmation, all of these things, it's in this community where I find it. Um, and and the truth be told is that you can look like me and you can also exist outside of the community that I've created for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know what I'm saying? But like, but yeah, like we would not be who we are if it weren't for community. I wonder how like social media though, like comes to play into community. I mean, like I personally am blessed to know both of you and have you both be parts of like my you know, very complicated network of communities because of the internet. Like right. none of us have lived in the right. same spaces ever at the same time. Right. Word like Alicia and I have seen each other like one time in person. Like one time. <laughs> yeah. yeah we like we've seen each other one time in person and literally like she's one of my best friends. Right. You know? Yeah. Like I I tell people or I, I actually I, I think I tell people, I just think it a lot, but I actually don't say it. <laughs> Um, but I'm like, I have learned so much about what it means to be a friend to somebody through my friendship with Alicia. Mm, Yeah. And I've I've only seen her one time in person. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's be like I'm like I have some friends that like that walk through like the worst parts of my life with me who our relationships began with the DM mm-hmm. <laughs> or a retweet, right? Mm-hmm. That like that is the the beauty that I will always uphold regarding social media, right? Mm-hmm. Is that like the truth is, is that there were so many of us who were all experiencing, particularly in church community, mm-hmm. we were all experiencing some of the very same things and having some of the very same feelings and having some of the very same frustrations. Mm-hmm. But because of the communities that we were a part of, either folks were afraid to say these things publicly mm-hmm. or we didn't have the full support and or language to do so, right? And what social media then came and did was whether it was through these these avatars <laughs> or whether it was through these, like, some of us then all, some of us, you know, started with our names as our actual, you know, um, names. But some folks, like, started with, like, you know, these created names that, you know, preserved anonymity but we began to be able to talk about our experiences and we were like oh snap like I'm not by myself right Mm -hmm. and and we were able to find like-minded people who had a heart and who had who were empathetic and who were compassionate and the the only the only downside was that shoot we lived Six, seven hundred miles away, and you know, folks ain't have money for for plane tickets, right? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was, <laughs> that was the truth. But like, you know, we were. I think about online faith communities like Slate Speak and like mm-hmm. all of these, you know, spaces where folks are able to come together and and find their tribes, find their people, right? Like finding their like, you know, there are people who tell me I found my folks on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? And like these these people that I rock with on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, I I hold closer to me than some folks I've known all of my life. And there will be people who who they could say that to who would side eye them. But when I hear it, I completely understand it. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like that yeah, that is that. that's so true. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I lived it. I know it, and like, and I always want to. Social media, without question, has its stuff. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and and the <laughs> the more vocal you are about freedom and justice, the less safe you are, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a really mm-hmm. serious issue for me, right? Um, and then at the same time, I always want to hold up higher that there are some of us who have met people who we do life together gladly because of these social media spaces. And and there are people who know that God is real, for real, for real, mm-hmm. because of curated timelines. And we can't ever discount that. <laughs> you know what no, I'm saying? Um, um, that means that we need to push to like make it more safe mm-hmm. and that we need to push to like create, you know, more realms of accountability and more safe spaces for us. But yeah, like we can't, we can't discredit like social media so much of what we are able to do is because of it right and um i think through i think i think about um oh i think it's uh melva samson dr melva samson at wake forest who 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 calls it the digital hush harbor mm. and like um our mm. work is is part of that like these digital hush harbors where like folks couldn't you know, have, we got to sneak and kind of like they had to sneak and have the conversations about freedom. And like, even though social media is 
is public and available to the masses, like they're still a part of like our work that gets to be subversive in these spaces and still gets to be real rogue <laughs> um, in these spaces that help a lot of like folks get free. A lot of us, you know, have have social media, not only just to thank for like really true friendships, but to really to have social media as an as a space where we were really given kind of the blueprint to help us like have these like lives of freedom and authenticity. We found it in those places. I mean, it's it's super true. I know it's definitely been true for me. Like so much of what I, so much of my growth is like because of what I found online. Yeah. And I, sometimes, yeah, it's like by way of like, you know, a podcast or an article, but more often than not, it's through people sharing story with me. Um, that, mm-hmm. I mean, that's definitely, yep. I think about like just my transformation. Um, that's what it's been. I've encountered people that I wouldn't have ordinarily met mm-hmm. otherwise. Like they just didn't exist in the spaces that I found myself. Um, but they were yeah. still here. And like this digital community gave me the opportunity to to come into contact with them. Um, and I think about how like, you know, the the aim of this podcast is to um is to help people, like ordinary folks, like who are just out there find practical means for achieving social change. And I think about like how mm-hmm. story is that and how like the digital commons, like this digital space is what permits us a lot of the time to like see the change not only in the world, but in ourselves. Um, yeah. This is why, why I'm so excited about your work that, that what you're getting ready to do with Zion Hill and like just everything that I've seen you do in the past by way of your writing. Um, because you're writing so vulnerable and it's so honest and Ooh, child, pray. Like, <laughs> before, before we did this interview I went back um, <laughs> and read some of your old pieces and I I just went and thought about the fact that like you're not only calling yourself into community or you're not just calling other people into community yeah. you also call yourself into community like in your words yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And that—that's the type of thing that speaks to people and changes them. And that's a, a, I think, a part of social change that, like, we don't always like lift up. Maybe in the ways that we need to is the fact that storytelling, storytelling is critical mm. um, in our work towards yeah. change because it's in people calling us into these, like, basically to do better, both ourselves and others, through them sharing stories. Yeah. Like it helps us want to be better. It helps us build better bonds. It makes us go back and apologize and be accountable for like the terrible shit that we did to people at some point in time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, mm. And that's not, that's not easy. Right. Like, you know, it's, it's funny because I, so I'm learning how to create my own rituals around, around my writing mm-hmm. because it is so vulnerable. Right. That like I tend to to have to like so I don't ever read comments. Um <laughs> but but um because they're terrible. I've had to <laughs> like I don't read comments, but I've also had to like find um create rituals, um a lot of it through baking and a lot of it through like makeup and beauty participation that like bring the and 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 posting something and then spending the rest of the day with my friends that that kind of pour back into me, not kind of, but that does pour back into me um what was what I released and exerted through writing, right? So like one of the things that I just I really, really believe again is that, you know, scripture says like we're overcome by the word of our testimony. Right. Mm-hmm. That like and and testimonies are true things. Um and I grew, you know, so I grew up good in Baptist where they would say <laughs> stuff like, you know, you can't have a testimony without a test. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. all the like stuff that like taught us that like mm-hmm. back then I was just like, what? But the truth is, is that if you cannot have a testimony without a test, then what do I look like telling you 
that you can make it through life and that you can have a beautiful life without telling you about how about the times where life was ugly and I did not believe. Right. Mm -hmm. What do I look like, you know, offering you hope and like not not telling you about the times where like it was offered to me and I was like, get that out of my face. Right. Like, you know, like there Mm -hmm. is that there is the the freedom comes in the truth of of being like, bruh, like it was some ugly, dark days and I had to piece together making it through the night or, you know, I had to like, um, you know, carry fragments of my heart in my hand and hope one day that this thing, this thing became whole again, right? That like, and that I'm not the only one who has either been there or who is there, right? And that it's not even about having the answers, right? So I was talking to one of my editors. We were talking about a project that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, I, I want people to walk away having, having, you know, consumed this project, not with answers. But knowing that, like, that there is somebody that is walking along the journey with them because the loneliness and the isolation of feeling that you're by yourself with these questions or feeling like you're by yourself with these emotions. Because we all grew up in churches and in context where we were told, like, don't question God, accept what God allows. Everything that God does is right and perfect. And, you know, it is what it is in Jesus' name, right? That does not pan out well when life happens, (laughs) like, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, when the shit hits the fan, you ain't accepting what God allows. Like, you ready to pull up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was... (laughs) Yeah. And and some of the things that I went through changed, whether, whether it was me or whether it was someone else, some of the things that we went through really changed the shape, the scope, and the trajectory of our lives. And they didn't always change them in good ways, right? And that's hurtful. And that if I'm walking, if I choose to walk with God, I get to name that. You know what I'm saying? And I get to, I get to name that, like, that hurts. And it's not fair. And there's no explanation for it. There's freedom in that, right? That like mm-hmm. there is reorienting how you know God and, and giving yourself permission to like not allow your faith to be marred with these instances of like, you know, this these pains had to produce something, right? Mm-hmm. Or that these experiences needed to happen for your glory. But to be able to say that not like there's like some like there are one evils in this world that are structural, that Mm -hmm. that that harm certain populations more than others. Mm -hmm. And then there are certain and those things can be changed and those things can be stopped. And then there Mm -hmm. are some things that cannot be explained that just happen. And. They are too painful, right? They are also harmful and hurtful. Um, but making room in our faith expression and making room in our personal theologies and relationships with, with whoever we have crafted the divine to be, mm-hmm. to say that and then to also be like, yeah, and I don't appreciate when, when these particular things <laughs> manifested themselves mm-hmm. in my life. Um, mm-hmm. to be able to say that that's freedom right. and mm-hmm. you can't live life right you can't live a healthy life without being able to say those things and so part of what i what my prayer is regarding my own writing and my own work is that it nudges people to that and it nudges them to see like yeah, like you can, you can really be free mm-hmm. and you can really be whole and mm-hmm. you can really be well mm-hmm. and you can have that, that freedom, that wholeness and that wellness 
and it won't look like what they told you that it was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And that's precisely mm-hmm. the point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's precisely the point that freedom is boundless mm-hmm. and freedom is freedom and is inherently transgressive. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it is, it, it violates every norm and every custom and every structure because it exists above and beyond that. Mm. And yet that is the life that we are literally called to live. Like we, we follow the greatest transgressor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, like we like, and how much more does God like, we're talking about a man who literally on the cross looked at God and was like, you played me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, and if, if Jesus could know from the day he was born that he that he was going to endure this kind of like if 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 that's what you tell me, right? Mm-hmm. That Jesus knew his mission from the day that he was born, if that's what you tell me. And if Jesus could get to Calvary and look at God and be like, bruh, really? Like, you're not going to tell me that I can't do the same thing. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to tell me that. But but if we follow Jesus, that, and even if you don't follow Jesus, Mm -hmm. if you look at the scope of Jesus's life, it was rooted in in an authenticity that was messy, right? That was... Mm That was like Jesus, like, you know, and that's another podcast that we talk about. Jesus ain't did it right the way that we always want to say that he did. You know what I'm saying? Um, like, you're so right. Like, Dre and I actually had a conversation <laughs> the other day about Jesus's rudeness. Um, like, you know what I'm like because, because, because that whole, like, I mean, this is a whole aside, but like that whole, you know, it is not, you know, for, for me to give the master's food to the dogs, like, mm-hmm. is that, like, so either, and, and Jesus's rudeness, like, you basically went to your hometown and was like, none of y'all niggas are the one. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I came to free y'all. And he closed the book and was like, thank me. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> 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 the book and was like you're welcome you know what I'm saying yes, like, like yes, either, yes. and if he knew no sin then you gonna quit telling me that me being that me like really telling telling y'all that I'm the shit is a problem because Jesus <laughs> said that you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like like, yeah. like like but 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 if we want to be honest mm-hmm. and say that like I'm I'm no longer I'm honestly no longer invested in this idea that Jesus knew no sin, right? Yeah. I'm, I am, I'm invested in the, in the truth and the reality that Jesus showed us how to do life together, mm-hmm. and in showing us how to do life together, it's inherently messy, and it means that we're gonna mess up mm-hmm. all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's mm-hmm. in, it is in the fullness of community where we're able to be whole and we're able to be well. And that we're able for our, even our errors, when we apologize and try to make them right, for for there to be restoration and reconciliation. Um, and I think that that's what Jesus shows us, right? That like, you know, that's that's what we are supposed to do. And I mean, I I don't even know if this if this conversation was even supposed to like always drill us back to community, but like. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I, I I think that that's what it did, right? Yeah. Is that like mm-hmm. it, if you don't, if folks don't hear nothing else, is is that you need to get you some people mm-hmm. <laughs> that that mm-hmm. will love you, that will hold you, and that will tell you the truth about yourself because mm-hmm. that that is the only way you resist empire. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that you overcome empire, and that's mm-hmm. the only way you thrive. Is to get, mm-hmm. you got to get you some people. I mean, part yeah. of where I'm really excited about what's coming with Zion Hill Media Group is that some of that people seeking, I think, is going to take place through the projects that you produce, Candace. And, yeah. you know, it's that I messy, that. authentic faith sharing that we 
quite frankly, really haven't seen in other in other venues and in other spaces and places. Like that's what you're you're hoping to create. And so like I really do hope that our listeners um continue to to pay attention to your work. Cause some of them already know who you are. Some of them are gonna come to know who you are through this time that we spent with you today. Um but they are seeking things of varying sorts, right? Like some of our listeners are Christian, some of them aren't. Some of them have been right. churched and like threw up the deuces because of the ways in which they didn't find community there. But regardless of like, you know, their beliefs and what they hold to be true, I think that knowing that there's a place where they can go to see authentic, messy, complicated stories about life and the divine and journey and justice will definitely be a benefit to them. And I am so grateful that you spent this time with us today. Thank you, Candace. I had so much fun. I had so much fun. Thank y'all for having me. Thank y'all. Oh, it's been our pleasure. Yeah. Cannot wait for people to hear this conversation. No, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be. No, it doesn't have to be. I said this during the interview, but I'm going to say it again. This conversation really blessed me. Um, I did not expect for us to go the places that we did. And I think that's also what's kind of beautiful about it is that this theme of community kept coming up. We kept coming back to the theme of community. And honestly, I'm going to be really vulnerable about this. I've thought about this conversation since we had it. And I thought, Andre, you should not have been there. I mean, I'm glad that I was. (laughs) (laughs) But I really think that there's something to letting uh, you and someone like Candice have that space and me listening in the way that you've listened to a lot of the conversations that I've had. So if I could do this over again, I would have listened to that conversation after you had it and then just like taken a lap around my neighborhood with all the energy (laughs) and excitement and amazingness that was in that conversation. Yeah, no, it was, it was such a, a timely needed conversation for me, um, Mm -hmm. for us to be in conversation with, with Candace. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot about like possibility and possibility as it like as it comes to faith. I mean, like, I mean, so y'all know I do this podcast with Dre, but I mean, like, you know, I write and speak and facilitate like in different parts of the country. And faith is oftentimes one of the central themes like in the work that I do. And part of what made me so excited to talk to Candace this week was she's someone who I look to when I think about possibility. Like her work, if you haven't gotten into it, I encourage you to do it. It's so vulnerable and so open and honest. And that's why like I am like someone who's like really, really like looking forward to seeing what she does with the Zion Hill Media Group. Because it's not only her voice that she's going to be sharing, but she's going to be like way making, right? Like she's going to be crafting and cultivating and curating space where other people can have like these really messy, complicated conversations about faith and belief and Mm -hmm. justice and what is possible. And I know that's a lot of what we're looking for. And I say, we not just meaning me and not just meaning Dre, but we, the collective, we, who's a part of this community um, who engages with this podcast yeah. These are the questions that we're asking that this is what she's hoping to do with her work. Yeah. You know, um, I want to ask you how you feel after having this this conversation, because um, mm-hmm. so for those who don't know about our process, there's a whole team uh, behind this podcast and you're going to be meeting more of them uh, in the coming months because we're going to have some of them rotate in and out uh, of these conversations. But um, we all have kind of like a, a dream list. You know, who do you want to talk to? And this was one of Alicia's uh, dream guests. And so I definitely want to get into that. But first, I also just want to say to the point of uh, her vulnerability. When she said that she was listening to Lemonade 
and was like, God broke my heart. Mm-hmm. That just, it resonated so much. And I appreciated her being willing to share that with us so much. I don't know. So mm-hmm. how, how are you feeling after the conversation and what's, what's sticking with you? All the things. Um, I <laughs> have a lot of gratitude. Um, yeah. I've got a, lo- a lot of gratitude, both for, for her and our team and you and, and even just like God, right? Like mm. God and I have a, we have a complicated relationship sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I think about like just how blessed I feel to know someone like Candace. Yeah. And for her to be a part of like the universe that I exist in just generally, mm-hmm. but also where we could make an ask like this of her and have a conversation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those yeah. are like the, the first feelings that I have. <laughs> just gratitude is like really, really present right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'm grateful that like we could have this talk in part because like these are the conversations I think that are worth having. Like when we yes. talk about faith, when we talk about belief, like talking about not only just like how like God breaks our hearts sometimes and how like we feel like really disappointed with like the way that the world is going. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I got my pastor's kid. Some of y'all know that some of y'all didn't. But like so much of like my life, like I thought that there was this distinct line between like what is sacred and what is secular. Um, cause that's what I was taught to believe mm-hmm. and people like Candace, you know, have helped not only like help me see that that's not possible. It also lets me know the possibility in my own voice that I don't have to hold these things apart from each other. That like, right. that there, what is sacred to one person can be secular. Like there yeah. is something holy and good and where God speaks and where we connect with one another and with the divine, like yeah. through art like that's what lemonade it was it was art it was like beyonce like going through the process of of her own heartbreak and like it served Mm. as a mirror for so many people to see their own and not just like their heartbreak but their liberation like there are folks who i know i remember doing a viewing party actually at like this christian women's event um back when lemonade first came out and we did we Mm -hmm. looked at the visual album together and I remember people who went into like that space kind of resistant, like, oh, like what whatever, like Beyonce is gonna do, blah, blah, blah. And then mm. like breaking down in tears because they saw themselves in her work and they saw their journeys reflected yeah. in in what she did in that project. And their pain was pain that they saw on that screen. And also like her liberation and her freedom songs towards the yeah. end were things that they were hoping for. Um and yeah, and so like Candace's work reminds me that those moments are possible and like resourcing people to understand the complexity of projects is also possible, mm-hmm. right? Like you just don't have to just live in like the church or the religious world. You can bridge together mm-hmm. like justice and religion and, you know, the arts and like all these things can converge to create something beautiful and useful and lasting. Yeah. Um, but I just appreciate uh, her creating that space. And I think for people who are interested in social change, um, this is such an important role for people to understand exists. Like there there are the people who, I said Transformers, and the first thing I saw in my head was Optimus Prime. I'm like, oh, that's very literal. <laughs> <laughs> so there are people who do that kind of direct uh, transformational work in confronting mm-hmm. Uh, systems. But there are also uh, people who build alternatives. And it's such an important part of what we're talking about. Okay, so I have another question for you. Um, Go for it. Why do you feel like this conversation we're having is important for people who are thinking about social transformation? Well, because I think so much of like our motivation for social transformation comes out of our place of belief. Mm-hmm. And so... I don't know where I was having this conversation most recently. Um, But one of the things that I've like long since said is I think that a lot of times, like when you have a conversation about motivation for anything, you need to like have talks with people about like 
the beliefs about like God and spirit and div- and divine and and possibility. Like you have to talk to them about their spirituality because like our spiritualities, whether they're connected to a religion or not, oftentimes are like the motivation, like the drive behind like our work towards social change. Mm-hmm. So you know, people are like, well, maybe we're like, what's the difference between religion and spirituality? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think spirituality is like what we, the meaning we make in the world, right? And part of that meaning making is also like the vision that we have for it, like the vision that could be, mm-hmm. and like the possibilities that could lie in a thing. And that's an essential part or an integral part of like our spiritualities. Um, but religion is like the container, right? It's like if you have like oil and you put it in a bottle, well, it's going to take on the contour of that bottle and be poured out of that bottle from here on out instead of like just like kind of the vast, mm-hmm. you know, place of oil that it came from in the first place. Yeah. Um, any liquid metaphor works. You can go with soda. Like I just went with oil because it was in my head. Um, but that all being said, um, yeah, I think that that's why it's important to talk about spirituality and possibility and how we tell stories moving forward and I really honest how honest we can be about our talks about or with God. Yeah. And I mean, I say this like making space for the fact that like not everyone believes in a God singular or at all, mm-hmm. but like in speaking about like the divine, like sometimes like we can say pointing to our God or even the way in which another person's vision of God, like bears down on us. We can say, Hey, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Like this God, your God sucks. Mm. And we need to speak like honestly. And I think that that's like one of the things that I walked away from that conversation remembering is that there's a need to like be like honest mm-hmm. and feel free enough to talk to God and say like what we really feel. I mean, like the question that I actually developed a question around this, because of course I did. But I like I had asked, like, if you felt you had the freedom to talk to God, the universe and or your ancestors with any with authenticity and with no filters, like, what would you say? Mm-hmm. And what if anything stops or complicates you from speaking this freely? Yeah, I think that that's a really big question, like, you know, within social change, especially like thinking about like life for me as a like a queer black woman, like mm-hmm. all of those things makes me go to God. What the hell? <laughs> like mm-hmm. more often than not, mm-hmm. because there's a way that I'm treated like poorly by people coming in the name of a God, their God. And they don't treat me well because of those beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's worth questioning. Yeah. And being honest about it. Yeah. No, I hear that. I have so many questions about that. And we have a 45-minute podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, some so days it's 45 many, minutes, some days it's longer. So <laughs> many. Um, yeah, so many. Um, one thought that comes to mind, though, if I were to answer your question, like if I felt... Or, or if I had one of those moments, because sometimes I do have those moments when it feels like, oh, my God, like I know that uh, or, I, or I believe, you know, that God is here and present and listening. But if it were one of those unmistakable moments, right, like something like you read in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? If I were having that moment and I was standing in front of God and I knew, you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, God is as real and as present and as attentive and as listening to me right now as you are on the other side of this microphone, then I would say to God, Mm -hmm. I miss you. And I do say that to God sometimes because there was a time when things felt so certain, you know? And I think the truth of the matter is that a part of me feels guilty for not being able to feel so certain anymore. And a part of me feels afraid um, that, that if God is who I was taught that God is, then I'm going to be in trouble for feeling this way, especially for talking about it in public. Um, I mean, it's, that's a hard yeah. thing to uh, a hard thing to reconcile, but like, I mean, one of the things that's been an encouragement to me 
as things have become definitively less certain, right? Like, I don't believe much of what I um, used to believe. But I think that that, and I'm, I've said it a lot this week, but I mean, that uncertainty for me leads to possibility. Like, there are ways that, like, yeah, like, I miss, like, believing that God would do certain things in my world and believing mm-hmm. that, like, certain things were, like, sure and firm. Yeah. But that also meant that I was holding on to it really tightly. And, like, mm-hmm. I would get really, really mad or scared if if things, like, kind of rubbed up against that. Whereas now, like, if things don't work out a certain way or if they, like, happen other in a way other than what I anticipate, I can appreciate it differently. Yeah. And just be like, huh. Like, I didn't even know that was possible. But look at that. <laughs> look at that there. Look at the, like, this unexpected source of beauty out of an option that I didn't know was an option because I left myself open to believe in something. Something could be even though I didn't know what it was. I didn't mm-hmm. know what was coming. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that, like, those moments of grief pass away. They don't. Like, you can still grieve a thing that you'd known and had been familiar and that you had loved. It's okay to grieve. And I think that that's part of what our time with Candace reminded me of. It's not only okay to grieve, it's okay to like look for things that help us grieve and help mm-hmm. us give voice to that grief. Mm-hmm. And for her, you know, she found it in that album by Beyonce um, where many people looked at it as a source of like, relief from the pain that they experienced because of relationships with partners she saw it as this like way to like deal with her grief in her relationship with god and the divine Mm. and so Mm. i mean i'd encourage you like i'd encourage our our listeners to consider like what are those things like what tools what art what what could you engage to help you process your grief to like so not even just process it. Forget processing, because processing means you got to do something with it. But like, mm-hmm. what does it just mean to like engage something to hold your grief and to recognize it? Right. And you don't got to answer that now because that's like Dre work <laughs> in private in the same way, <laughs> listeners. That is insert your name here work for y'all to do on your own. Like, what do you need to to take hold of to acknowledge your grief about maybe your faith, maybe what's happening in the world? Mm-hmm. Um, what's happening in the, your worlds? We're all going through different things, but like, how? Like, what can you use to like help you help you hold your grief? What things, projects, or outlets could be meaningful for you as you work to recognize your grief? What things, projects, or outlets have been meaningful to you when you have experienced grief in the past? Have you ever intentionally or unintentionally created something to work out your grief, pain, or anger? What is it? How did its creation impact you? How did its creation impact others? If you felt you had the freedom to talk to God, the universe, and or the ancestors with authenticity and no filters, what would you say? What, if anything, stops or complicates you from speaking this freely? What makes a group of people community for you? What do they give you? What do you give them? What sorts of things do you share? How can you tangibly lend support to those who you consider to be your community? Well, thanks for listening to the Hope and Heart Pills podcast. Again, I'm your host, Andre Henry. I am your co-host, Alicia T. Crosby. And our podcast is produced by our resident white person, Ross Montgomery. Shout out to Ross. And also made possible by our lovely, lovely patrons on Patreon. You're going to hear from Ross in a second to tell you how you can hear the unedited version of this podcast and all our shows in just a moment. We'll see you next time. Thanks for sticking with us. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard and you haven't already, please subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. 
Leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts also helps us get into more ears and minds. This podcast is made possible by our fantastic patrons. Thank you for being a part of our work at Hope and Hard Pills. As usual, you'll get the uncut extended version of this episode on Patreon. If you want to join in on the work on our Patreon community, just look us up at patreon.com slash Andre Henry. To go deeper, get subscribed to our email newsletter. Head over to andrerhenry.com and click join the movement where you'll get practical insight on anti-racism and social change every week. And you'll never miss a new article, song, or podcast episode. You can also follow Andre Henry on Facebook and Instagram at TheAndreHenry. Connect with Alicia on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alicia T. Crosby and her website, AliciaTCrosby.com. That's all for this episode of the Hope and Hard Pills podcast. See you next time. Peace.